Hello, Lisa Leong here, and I'm pretty excited to bring you this bonus episode of This Working Life. It's my full interview with original Matildas player, now leadership expert, Dr Shona Bass. I was so incredibly moved by what she shared about the history and the culture of the team. In 1979, Shona represented Victoria and was selected for the Australian team, which became the national women's team, which we now know and love as the Matildas. She's gone on to have many careers, like owning her own business, being a CEO and an academic with a PhD to boot. She sat down with me to talk about the Matildas' performance in the World Cup, especially as the team have pulled together so beautifully with Sam Kerr off the field for the first few games. She reflects on what makes ace team work, the DNA of the Matildas that persists to this day, which makes them so strong, and what we can learn from that for our own working lives. Here's our full chat, and if you haven't heard our episode on the Matildas effect, definitely queue it up to listen to next. I started by asking Shona what teamwork looked like back when she was playing. The principles of teamwork back then are the same as the, the principles of teamwork that we're seeing on, on the pitch today, but the level and the, the actual culture of the teamwork has been developed in such a uh, more sophisticated way because the players have been in camp for weeks and, and they've been playing together, whereas for us in the 70s, we would come in from all over the country and possibly have a, a week together and then we'd go off touring. So in many instances, we wouldn't know our teammates and it took us a week to sort of really start building those friendships and camaraderie. How did you build that sense of um, friendship and camaraderie in those days? Talk us through it, Shona. There's nothing like hard work to actually build trust, working together in, in the training drills, being with each other 24-7. Back then we used to um, go and stay in um, sort of schools that had accommodation and use the pitches. I think we're at one stage um, in outback New South Wales in Orange and staying at a college there. And so you're eating together, you're sleeping in the same dormitory and playing together and everyone's excited, everyone's got the same uh, vision and mission about where we want to go in the tournament and you just make it work because everyone has the same forward path. And Shona, did it happen organically or were they quite prescriptive and explicit about this idea of the team identity? Back in the 70s, it was definitely organic. And if we compare it to modern day, there is so much literature around about what makes a good team and, and how do we work on team dy dynamics. And back in the 70s and, and 80s, it was definitely an organic thing and key people facilitated uh, what they intuitively knew would build team. And do you have any examples of when there were was maybe behaviour which wasn't about team first? So it could be about ego or maybe not passing the ball at the right time. <laughs> and what happened in that moment when a choice was made that wasn't team first? To first up, with um, the individual versus the team and with soccer, Many instances, particularly back in the 70s and 80s, you know, you, you nearly always had one or two players that had the skill, had the flair, and often the team would put up with their individualism because that was so important to the game, to the team winning. And 
at times if players became so more focused on their individualism rather than the, the greater benefit of the team, then that would be the team would be brought forward, brought in together, have the conversation, you know, identify what, what are the values, um, how are we going to operate as a group, how do we work in terms of being respectful for each other without squashing that individual flair and, and of course, it's really difficult. But as long as you keep on coming back to common values and we see the, the current day Matildas as a team, it is so obvious that they have worked on cohesion as a team, there's depth and diversity within the team and their role models, Sam Kerr and Steph Catley, are their leaders, they're inspirational, they lead by example and the team is just so committed to values and respect of each other, the team and their supporters. Let's go to this. So what's really fascinating is it was because of Sam Kerr's injury that we were able to pull the lid back and actually have a look at the depth of this team, as you were saying. So it appeared at the start that there seemed to be a reliance on Sam Kerr as the star. Can you comment on this starting point and what we saw externally at least? Yes. Well, it was nothing short of horrific for the Australian community with no Sam Kerr and, and all the media on that calf injury of hers. And I, I'm sure, I don't know, pers- like the inside workings of the team itself, but obviously it, it rocked the team. And those first two games against Canada and Nigeria, they were always going to be danger games with Sam. So for the team to actually go out with those really early games and it is a real credit to the team that they got over that initial um, speed wobbles without Sam and actually because they have the vision, because they have the mission and because they've got the the depth, we've got young players such as Mary Fowler, Cooney Cross, um, Hunt, Courtney Vine and there's such strong mentorship from the experienced players, if we look at Katrina Gorey mentoring Kara Cooney-Cross, not having Sam gave the opportunity for Caitlin Ford to step up because she had to step up. And so that reliance that teams often have of the inspirational leader, if you remove the leader and the team can continue forward and are empowered to step up and have the capability to step up, you end up being a much more powerful force when the leader comes back in. You are now um, an executive leader and you're a business coach. There are so many parallels with our workplaces, our leaders, Mm -hmm. and sometimes our over-reliance on star players. What would you say about what we learnt through these moments with the Matildas that we can apply to our own work lives? The similarities between sport and leadership and team play and business in the workplace are identical, absolutely identical. And um, if I look at the analogy of, say, the Australian coach and the coaching team, they're the global thinkers, the strategy makers, and they're the ones that need to have separateness from the team. And then we've got the captain, Sam Kerr and Steph Catley. They're actually the leader within the team. And they lead by being a role model through actions. 
and in, in business, you've got your executive leadership that need to lead, need to have the strategy and provide the pathway forward. But it's the next level down of the, the team leaders that bring the team along and actually empower and enable members of the team to understand where, where they're going and then support them to where they're going. Often people think that a team leader is the person who shouts the loudest or tells people. What would you say about uh, what we learnt through Sam Kerr's behaviour, uh, especially when she was on the sidelines? I know people um, often think that that's the best leader, but really we would look at leaders who have fabulous emotional intelligence. That's really the defining characteristic of a quality leader, someone that is really high in emotional intelligence who's able to show great empathy for their members of their team. And if we look at Sam Kerr, her leadership qualities over the time when she's been injured has been an absolute standout. And you can see the response of the players, the way they played uh, when Sam was not a part of the team and their commitment to their game plan, but also commitment to Sam as their leader was so evident. And Sam's a quiet achiever, as was Steph Catley when she was um, stepped in as captain. And the best example of, of quality leaders is those who actually demonstrate by action. In those, in that low moment, so when the team, you know, they wobbled um, they without wobble. Sam and they mm -hmm. needed to rally. Mm -hmm. From your knowledge of the deep DNA of the team, yeah. what were they reaching into there? There's a history here that underpins this. And the history comes from the hard road right from the 1970s. And they know so many former Matildas have done the hard road, you know, Back in 1970, I keep on saying the 70s and 80s, trying to remind <laughs> myself back then about how it was. But we were funding ourselves. You know, I was training by myself. I was, I've got three brothers and I was basically training and playing with my brothers and um, selling lamingtons to get money to go on tour. <laughs> you know, oh, it's just wow. ridiculous. And, and back then, you know, trying to get a, a soccer pitch to play on, you know, often we're out in the paddocks. To, you know, we've got the worst <laughs> pitch. You know, and then as we keep on going forward into the sort of the 90s, um, the 1990s, and then there was that controversy of about the Matilda's calendar and then trying to get funding. And, and so there's all this history of women doing it hard because of their passion for the game. And within that, there has also been a history of Matildas doing well, but just faltering at that last hurdle, not quite getting there. And so the team itself, in terms of the psychology and the sports psychology and the training, they would have been working very, very hard on really replaying in their own minds this situation. How do you feel watching the Matildas play the FIFA World Cup at the moment? I still got to pinch myself, I've got to say. And um, I was at Sydney Stadium and the crowd, the community engagement is, it's not history in the making. It, history has been made right to this point. 
that the crowds, the community engagement, the men, the women, the children, you know, I've got my Matilda scarf, you know, <laughs> you know, and it immediately elicits conversation. And, you know, I've got all these friends that have never watched a soccer game in their life and they're texting me, you know, <laughs> and they're going, what's this offside again? I want to know what this offside is, you know. And for women in sport and women in general, this event over these weeks is going to be a benchmark that we can, will never slip back from because the, the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand have drawn the crowds, have drawn the media coverage and the um, people watching on the TV uh, have just blown all records. And in the past, there's been this narrative, women's sports not exciting, women's sports not interesting. Well, you know what? That's wrong because women's sport has just as much entertainment value as men's sport. They've just never been given the opportunity. And I think this is a win for all sport and all people in terms of our the lessons that we've learned. It's completely universal, Shona. Absolutely. And... There's been research that Billie Jean King actually quoted back in the 80s and 90s that um, of the Fortune 500 of successful businesswomen, 80% of the successful businesswomen had sport in their youth. And it's the foundations of what you gain through playing sport, through being part of the team, that sets people up and sets young people up for their future life. And if there's one thing this Women's World Cup has done, it hopefully elicits the excitement for young people to play sport, to be part of a team. Whether it's soccer, whether it's netball, whether it's boys, whether it's girls, it is this injection of excitement to be part of it. And that team spirit and the mental health benefits that you get from being part of the team and for being physically active. You know, in terms of a public health message, you couldn't ask for anything better. Thank you so much, Shona. Thank you. A huge thank you to Dr Shona Bass for taking the time to come on This Working Life. I'm Lisa Leong. Thanks to producer Zoe Ferguson, to sound engineer Matthew Crawford and to intern Kate Lawrence. And if you haven't heard our episode, The Matilda's Effect, check it out. Until next time, work it, baby. Go Matildas. Go Matildas.